0: known as Soror Mystica, to the Shadow Playground.
1: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me.
0: I've been really excited on this podcast to bring wild, eccentric, intelligent, powerful people from around the world to talk about play, to talk about shadow. And I came across your work years ago, and I'm excited for you to be sharing some of your experiences and your reflections and your thoughts with us today.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I'm I'm really yeah, I'm curious to see where the conversation goes. And yeah, really thrilled to be a part of the series that you're doing. It's a very interesting and enticing topic, and yeah, very cool. As a first
0: comment or thought, many people get drawn into a routine, a routine of work. Uh, in French, you might say metro boulot dodo. so you go on the metro, you go to work, you go home, you go to sleep, and life can take on a sort of monotonous, repetitive nature, and from what I understand about your work is that you have traveled around the world, really going into the depths of understanding what is sacred sexuality, what does it mean to be alive fully and fully alive with all the fire of existence, which strikes me as a very different state from that sort of daily monotony. So the first question I have is, what brought you to, on that quest? Mm.
1: That's a, yeah, that's an interesting question and already like, ding, 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 like a bunch of little spikes are going off in, in my field about how to answer that, you know? Um, the first one coming through very strongly is, is death presence of death the presence of that ultimate end you know that awaits us all and and you're right there's this monotony to life there is this absolute day in day out kind of disembodied um, and very disingenuous mode that it's so easy to get stuck in it's like the days and years and decades of our life can seem to be swallowed up by this structure that's there you know um and i think culturally we might be slowly starting to break out of it but you know i'm i'm still of the generation that was like raised with this idea that you do certain things in a certain order and you receive certain outcomes and benefits from that and you just like slowly march yourself you know into the grave (laughs) and hmm, there are some rewards to that life. But I think, you know, we're slowly becoming machine-like. And so another aspect of the presence of death for me was illness, like my own emerging chronic illness illness through my teens and twenties that really had me face like my own mortality, but also my own limitations within this structure, like as hard as I pushed and I pushed very, very hard um, I realized that in order to keep up with this path that was set out before me, it would be a great expense to my body and my well being. And so I really started to hit a very, very hard wall um, around the age of, I don't know, maybe 27, 28. I really broke down physically and. I had to really ask myself some important questions about, you know, what is, what am I doing, <laughs> what am I doing with my life, what is this life thing that we're all doing something with, and, um, and, and the realization that in, that in asking those questions, I also had to invite death in, in terms of the death of these ideas, the death of this very straight road that I had set out for myself you know I was in academia for for many years I was going to become a professor and going to do the thing that would make me somehow I don't know safe and successful and (laughs) um, maybe immortal through my great ideas and the books and papers I was going to publish and so yeah, that's one very esoteric way to answer that question. Um, yes, death, death set me on the path of really discovering um, what, what is it to be in this body and what are we here to experience?
0: What are some of the, your favorite ways to experience and to be in your body these days?
1: Mm. Dancing, always, always dancing always dancing and i haven't been doing enough of it lately and i really feel that lack i feel that lack because i have worked out so much major life stuff and major life decisions on the dance floor there's something so transcendent about it like just being in a room full of people carried by the same music by the same rhythm um you know if you have any ravers in your audience i'm sure they they know what i'm talking about but like i was again at that age where i caught the the rave scene you know right in the in the cusp of its of its great glory of the 90s and and 2000s and so there's something really really primal and tribal about being carried by the same beat as the bodies around you and um yeah, that's one of my mainstays. Like no matter what I do, I'm gonna be dancing.
0: Mm, beautiful. One of the things that I appreciate about your work is how much it invites us to be fully alive in all of that, that that, that entails. You do a monthly, a monthly event called Tantrum, and mm. I went to it, and there was this notion of releasing everything and not needing to control anything. And that could include rage. That could include deep sadness. That could also include the happiness. And mm-hmm. there was a sense in your invitation and in your way of holding that space, which was to fully be here. Can we be here with all of it? And I think that's such a beautiful gift to bring to the world because it's so easy to want to numb and hide from our own beingness.
1: Mm-hmm. And, to, and to also perfect it. Right, there's this, um, there's this idea that somehow, well, there's this big idea of of sin, right? Uh, there's this, this big idea that there's something terribly wrong with this incarnation that we are in. And there are many, many lineages and many religions and many spiritual paths that are on that ascending path. So it's like all about lifting up out of here you know, um doing all the things paying the our dues in this realm so that we can then achieve something in the next realm so that we can um, complete the cycles of karma or enter the pearly gates of heaven. So there's this deference of of you know the, the the full span of experience to to another round, to another time. And this ascension path. Is, is, is pretty insidious because it vilifies the body and it vilifies much of our human experience, particularly sexuality, particularly pleasure. And so a lot of people, um, even people who have left their religion or have never been religious, kind of import this idea of, of the need to perfect Uh, their human experience and, and to achieve some optimal state of happiness or ecstasy or fulfillment that I just don't think is a realistic thing because we are plugged into these natural cycles of this planet, of this dimension, of this animal body that goes through seasons, that goes through cyclical changes, that is throbbing with the pulse of life and death, creation and destruction. If we really open our eyes and look around, this is what we see. This is what we are immersed in. And yet, uh, you know, our psyche has evolved to reject anything that is on the descending path, anything that is about going down, going into the darkness, going into the void, going into the letting go, the releasing, the destructive part. We're only focused on like the eternal bloom, you know, but it's like, when you kind of look at it like that, it's like, that's impossible. That's impossible in this life. Maybe there's another realm, another dimension of eternal bloom, but I really believe that we're here to live this experience to to the fullest and that there is a transcendent portal available if we truly open to the full spectrum of life, both the 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 wretchedness, of the grief and the pain, of the heartbreak. right to be to be incarnated is to know, that everything you know and everything that you love is going to die. Like, think of the heart like that's the ache, that's the longing that's that's the the like oh, the heart-stretching love capacity that we have, because even though we know that, we continue to love, right It's like it stretches us beyond what we think is possible, and so. It's just like, how do we live that full spectrum? And how do we not cut ourselves off from a whole realm of of the joys and and the pains of this existence? Because in some of my more um, profound shamanic journeys, uh, many of them done um, alone, spontaneously within my own personal movement practices sounding practices um, I have really experienced the sense in which pain and pleasure and grief and anger and joy and ecstasy are on a continuum you know you can laugh until you cry and it's like at the crescendo at the apex of one of these energies, you can actually break through to, to its complete opposite and then notice the, the stillness and the emptiness that is kind of at the center of it all, the void point. So so yeah, I'm in, in this tantru workshop, it's all about getting people to really tap into these these sensations and energies and feelings and emotions and states of being that we spend pretty much you know the majority of our conscious time like avoiding with a lot of effort like with a lot of concerted effort a lot of distractions you know medications uh you know netflix binges like there's so many things that we do and use in order to avoid from feeling and so tantrum is this beautiful monthly practice where we come together in in community and and we open up a space to feel fully feel everything and it's all welcome and it's all holy you know it all carries deep profound wisdom uh, about who we are and what's what's right for us and where we want to be and where we want to go. And yeah, loved having you there. Hmm. Yeah,
0: thank you. I think of this sort of great illusion. And I think you, you needed it so well, this idea of our heads, having a story about what emotions are right or what kind of perfect experience might be there, but how by actually opening our eyes and looking around existence is actually already there and we can actually understand that everything is part of that, all of the emotions.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: one of the one of the you mentioned that you started on this path with a with sickness and with death and one of the things that you have on your website is this sentence talking about you say you take resolve to stand in the fires of transformation and it might feel like you're dying so i'm wondering how might people begin this journey of daring to open up to everything that's there everything you know capital e everything how how can people begin those gentle steps
1: Mm -hmm. yeah because yeah what what i you know what i talk about and what i feel the path of my life has been is is the path of a fire so it's it's the you know it's really those fires of transformation that that um can be quite intense and 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 bring up a lot but ultimately you know what is true remains and it's this iteration process where you know it's like shedding layers the the snake shedding the skin again and again and again and it's like you know sometimes I get very frustrated I'm like again like I just Thought I had a whole dying shedding process. Can't I just like enjoy this for a minute? <laughs> but you know, it's like it's, it's a constant practice of of surrender and trust. But how to begin? You know, there are many pathways, and I don't really have a definitive answer because I I, I very humbly know that what I don't know is so much vast, like more vast than what I do know, but I can share about my path um, and what has worked for me and what people that work with me and resonate with me are also drawn to and recognize that it's an important piece for them. And that's to begin to get really, really curious and to start cultivating a relationship with your body and the sensations that arise from the body. And so the emotional work is, is one big, very accessible piece of that because we all have them all the time and we all know we carry repressed anger and grief and frustration and rage. And um, and we all know we don't necessarily have the healthiest ways to, to deal with them. Um, but it's so much about tapping into and be, becoming really aware and I always say listening for and listening to sensations as they arise from the body. Because that is one way into this full spectrum existence. Um, because so much of our lives, again, is, is really you know from the chin up. How many people, you know, even I, when I talk to my clients, I say, okay, so, you know, how many hours a day do you sit at a computer, and how often do you not get up to pee when you know that you need to pee? Like, how often are you so absorbed in what you're doing in the technology that you you're ignoring these basic bodily signals for a glass of water or a bathroom break or a stretch? Um, but really there's, there's this whole other being there waiting for our attention. And the body, when we tap into it, the body doesn't know judgment. The body doesn't naturally speak the language of shame or, or, you know, um, evil or sin. It's like, feeling and sensing its environment at all times and it's continuously giving us um, it's like a live feedback system from coming up from below so it's from that um, down direction it's coming up from below rather than coming in from above from the, the big open conscious celestial divine realm it's coming up from below and so sometimes i imagine these like vines slithering up my legs up my thighs around my groin up into my belly and i say listen you know what is coming up from these deep earthly places uh, that our bodies are tuning into at all times we have only been on this planet with these psyches that we have now formed these modern psyches for a very very short amount of time of of human evolution for for the bulk of our time we have been on the ground we have been listening uh, very intently and our eyes intently on the horizon and attuned to the changes in air and temperature and so we have that sensitivity still. It's just laying there untapped. And so I think that that, is, that has for me and many people that I've worked with been a really powerful portal into opening up and like, why does that matter? Because it opens you up to the sense that what you are is a part of a much larger organism that includes the land that you stand on and the insects that are buzzing around and the animals of this planet, and perhaps much more than that, all of the plant beings, all of the mineral beings, it opens you up to this nonverbal language of this organism that we are all connected to And then that sense of separation and that sense of, I have to make my experience a certain way. Otherwise, I'm a failure or my life is meaningless. Like It just starts to drop away. And our listening becomes deeper and our attunement becomes more subtle and more profound to everything that is moving around us at all times and how we are a part of it.
0: quite a portal indeed the portal from the sensation as a starting point to really feeling connection with everything
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's been my that's been my way in there are other ways there are other teachers and modalities and practices but that's been that's been my way and i would also say it, it is the more feminine path if we're looking at the dichotomy between the masculine and the feminine energies.
0: What would be a more masculine approach?
1: I think a more masculine approach would be something like, like um, transcendental meditation. So coming into that still single pointed focus of the mind and coming into the void through stillness and presence. Whereas when you work through the body, you're approaching the, that same uh, place, let's say, but you're coming at it through surrender to movement and flow. It's not a sitting still practice, it's a it's a being with practice. So as certain sensations arise through the body, maybe they're asking for movement, maybe they're asking for sound. Maybe they're asking me to shapeshift into an animal or into an, an elemental being like water, and to so it's it's a it, yeah there are two you know two different kinds of practices.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, you know, this podcast is around play and shadow, as I mentioned. And and what I want the link to be really clear for people who are listening to this. It's when we are in our bodies, when we are connected to everything, when we have are allowing space for all of our beings without judgment, without leading or orienting ourselves towards a false idea of perfection. I believe that's where we can fully play and engage and be in our vitality. And it takes the 360 you can't just have the bloom the eternal bloom ever happy ever playful always on it just doesn't work that way it's kind of like a take it or leave it everything or nothing
1: yeah that's it very much so it's 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 inorganic Hmm. it's an inorganic approach and i fear i fear for us i fear for humanity as as i feel like the machine world is becoming so much more um, yeah like uh, evolved that 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 perpetual straight line of infinite progress and increasing efficiency and perf- perfection becomes uh, sort of seemingly more attainable through mm-hmm. through our interaction with technology and machines, and yet, at the core of it, I really do believe that we are very much part of this cyclical um organism that is that doesn't yeah operate at that uh frequency
0: yes we can get further and further in the product you know productivity streamlined efficient but it's moving further away from who we are actually
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: i know that in our conversation years ago we were talking about a sense of aliveness and you and one of the first things you said was it comes down in your approach to your connection to your sexuality and you use that term sacred sacred sexuality would you also to talk a little bit about the role that sexuality plays when it comes to aliveness or a sense of vitality
1: mm-hmm. absolutely so sacred sexuality to me is, is uh, again, very closely linked. I hope that I'm weaving the threads in a way that's, that's clear for, for the listeners. Um, you know, if we kind of, if we are following this descending path, if we're looking into the body, into sensation and opening up to the full spectrum of our experience, we inevitably discover sexual energy. And sacred sexuality is about recognizing the fact that through our um, experience of sexual energy and through our beginning to work with and honor our sexual energy, we discover that that allness, right? Like we it it's a it's a it's a pathway to God or the divine or Uh, the universe or however you want to conceive it Um, and so when when we're feeling into well what if you know sexual energy is is more than these moments of pleasure that we you know sometimes like have to kind of like work to get or are projected onto a partner or, or partners. Um, It's something that sometimes feels like a game we have to play. Um, And sometimes it feels very um, out of integrity. Sometimes it's used as a weapon. Sometimes it's used for power. Sometimes it's terribly misused um, and there's just so much darkness around it and so many violations and so much violence. And, you know, we're in a cultural moment where all of that is coming out now, like how much sexuality is in shadow um, and how misabused and misused it's, it's been. And so it can be very, very tender to begin to try and reclaim sexual energy from from what we know of it. But when we do do that, um, when we start to cultivate sexual energy, not necessarily for a specific outcome or like without instrumentalizing it. So it's like a lot of people have sex for intimacy. It's not so much about the sex, it's like they want intimacy, but the only way they know how to get it is through sexual encounter. Um, that's just one example where we're instrumentalizing that energy. Some use it for power, as I said. When we take it out of that mode and start to look at that energy and ask the question, like, "What is this in its in its essential nature? How does this want to move through me if I just hold off on like my expectations and?" and my sort of goal oriented finish line oriented drive to like get to the prize at the end of the road. Like when we just kind of back off and and do that practice that I was talking about of just getting really curious about sensation as it's arising and moving through my body, go into a state of deep listening as this energy as this pleasure is as this eros is sort of enlivening different parts of you what happens then you know and one of the things that happens is we discover that we're fucking alive surprise (laughs) like whoa i'm like really 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 alive (laughs) 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 and and that's why a lot of sacred sexuality people you know coaches mentors teachers practitioners um, talk about empowerment with regards to to sacred sexuality because when you realize that you're fucking alive and that you are like really really in this body and this body is capable of of running so much energy, and it it feels like you're like, woo, 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 like glowing and 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 vibrating. It's like, whoa! I'm powerful. I'm powerful. I I I can. I'm really here, and I get to choose, and and I and I can play with this energy, and I can play with others with this energy, and I can run it you know, in the vertical channel, and I can make love to the universe, or I can make love to the earth below me, or I can run it, you know, horizontally, heart to heart with other people, I can make love to a room full of people without touching them, you know, it's like, we begin to understand that this vibration is that thing that binds us all together, is that thing that 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 is like the pulse of that organism that i was describing before it is the the orga like the universe is like an orgasmic tremor <laughs> <laughs> it was perpetual like gush right
0: <laughs> it's really beautiful seeing your pleasure even just talking about this and talking about how it's like when you really begin to feel alive, and even talking about a concept of making love to a room, or you know, making love, just sending it outwards. It has the uh, when people talk about living a life of love, it's uh, I hear that it's not just a theoretical thing; it's actually this practice, this deeply sexually embodied practice that you are making love in the, the eternal gush of the universe you know there's a there's a beauty to that
1: yeah and so as you're speaking to that and i hope this isn't too like controversial uh, of a topic but so there's this there's this beautiful sort of um heart-centered you know new age um um you know, a movement, or I, I don't know what to call it, but this, this idea of like, tapping, you know, the love and light, right? Like we, if we're, if, if everybody just gets on the frequency of love, um, we can really birth a, a new earth, a new world, some utopian version that we all know is possible. I mean, just look around how gorgeous and beautiful and magnificent and abundant this planet is. It's like, it takes your breath away. Everything we need is here. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of people talk about the heart and this makes this, um, makes me think of sort of the Christ consciousness that is sometimes also discussed. It's like moving into that uh, unconditional love, uh, that Christ has is is the figure of, as as an example. But when we look at the forbidden uh, scriptures of the Bible and some of the Magdalene stuff, what Christ and Magdalene were doing was sexual alchemy. So that to to open to fully open the the highest frequency of the of the heart it comes from the ignition of the root chakra. Like it, it's not that the heart just kind of opens up on its own. The sexual energy is what flows and activates and charges up that profound love that we're capable of, because it's coming through a a fully embodied being. Um, And that's when our love is powerful in the world. Um, and so, yeah that it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to to notice how it moves how it's moving through culture right now because um, there's a lot of discussion about heart centeredness and unconditional love and tapping into you know the frequency of universal love um, birthing a new world and yet many many people are still very disembodied and very afraid to look at their sexuality there's still this kind of uh, old vestige, old imprint, old memory of the sinfulness of sexuality. And this is what I think we will all need to work through in order for that heart-centered, heart-wide open world to exist. You can't have that if you're still putting sexuality in the shadow.
0: what is your dream for the world when it comes to sexuality
1: mm. yeah i would love i would love humanity to remember its its divinity its and its um and its dignity mm. and i think that when we tap into this life force it's like recognizing that this is this is like the the golden nectar this is this is the part that like ignites uh, this this life. this is what all of life, all of creation comes from, and so when we recognize that we carry a a drop or a spark of that within us, it's to recognize the divinely creative uh Part of us, and this is, I think, where a huge, you know, revolutionary shift can can take place. That's that's the dream, right? That's the that's the beautiful, like, visionary kind of um, yeah, something that something that I hold uh, very dearly.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is similar to the other question I'd asked for someone you mentioned, many people are disconnected from their sexuality or perhaps think that they might be, but actually there's a, the body's not quite there. How, how might one begin to reconnect with their sense of their sexuality or a sense of engaging playfully with their sexuality or just opening up those channels?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't want to repeat myself too much, but, just really starting to get into your body in a way that isn't um, specific to any particular outcome or goal. Um, so a lot of people will um, will do different kinds of practices with, like with their bodies. You know, it might be exercising, it might be uh, running, it might be certain kinds of sports, it might be yoga uh but all of those tend to have very specific formats and forms and impose certain postures and movements and repetitive movements on the body even our lovemaking can can become within that category right there's there's certain positions and there's certain movements and there's certain um like a progression I, it's, it's So a lot of what we do with our body tends to be mechanical in some way, and it tends to be goal-driven. Like there is an outcome. Sometimes there's even a score. You know. And again, there's that perfectionism, right? There's that like yoga is a spiritual practice, but the way that many people practice it is it's like are my lines straight? Is my... Am I getting into the pose with the exact perfect um, alignment and so on? And so one way to begin to tap into some of this energy that's that's laying dormant in each and every one of us is to just liberate your body and f- and let it take the lead rather than your mind going in and say, okay, you know, do this exercise or do this movement or dance like this. It's like, can you just move your body so that it begins to move itself? Just rolling around on the floor, you know, like, like what, you know, rather than doing a a yoga pose, like just, letting your body stretch out and roll around and always, always, always bringing sound. Sound allows us to access this pre-linguistic animal part of ourselves, like this this more wild part of ourselves that has so much to say. It doesn't use words, but it has so much to tell us. And so when, when you're down there on the floor and you're just like, Moaning and groaning, and maybe hissing and growling, and just discovering, you know, what this body is capable of and what what it wants to say to you. Through that experience, through that, you know, no non-directional experience, you might just organically start to tap into something of your erotic nature and your erotic being. You might discover the serpentine wave as it starts to undulate your spine. You might start to notice that your hips want to open. You might notice that you want to be closer to the ground, that you start to feel this resistance of the ground as it moves with your body. So now there's this sense of partnering with the earth and moving with the earth, like it's like we need to get out of these deep, deep, deep grooves of habit and habitual expectation of of what our experience is going to be. So if you can do that practice and start the building blocks for that, what if you brought that same level of curiosity and open-endedness and lack of expectation and goal directedness to your next encounter with your lover oh my god what happens then like what would you guys even do <laughs> <laughs> how would you touch how would you approach each other how long would it take you know it's so so it's like it begins to open up the realm of possibility where where one becomes highly, highly sensitized to their own experience. And it becomes more about the 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 truth and depth of that experience moment to moment to moment than what it looks like from the outside or how it fits the script of what sexuality is or what pleasure is or what intimacy is. We just slowly start to dissolve that and something much more profound emerges.
0: That is such an incredible invitation to break free of the rote and routine ways of moving and being in our sexuality. One of the things that I've realized with this, this podcast and exploring playfulness is that I we need to go to the edges. It's not by going to a corporate play consultant necessarily that we understand the breadth of what play and life can be.
1: Is and... there such a thing? Is there a corporate <laughs> play consultant? Is that, is that a thing? Is that a job?
0: That is a thing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in your rotation, it's like, what if we want to be on the ground hissing and maybe letting our hips gyrate? It's. I'm certain someone will be listening to this episode and being like, what is going on Like with this conversation? And I invite that person to be curious because I think it's. this is what you're sharing is it's the edges and it is the essence of how we connect to our lives, all of our lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I love that the playfulness is the big theme of, of, of the work that you're doing through these conversations. It's, it's, it's how do we play? We go out to the edges we go out to figure out the perimeter of the playground we go out and like see what there is and all the nooks and crannies that's how kids play and yeah for anybody who is listening to this and thinking like I would never do that what's the you know or what's the point of that or that feels silly or that feels like disconnected from what we're talking that has nothing to do with sexuality or that has nothing to do with um being feeling more alive um yeah i would say just try it try it with that energy of playfulness and curiosity what if what if you discover something unexpected something totally strange and yet profoundly familiar you know like we know this, that's the things, that we know this in our bones and in our cells. And it just takes a little nudge into the zone before you're like getting a lot of experience and feedback. Like it starts to work very quickly because it's just, we're so primed for it. This is how we evolve for hundreds of thousands of years deeply, deeply sensing like the little hairs on our bodies, like antenna, you know, sending information. So I welcome the skeptic and I welcome anybody uh, who wants to discuss, you know, to contact me or who wants to experience to contact me. I love holding space for, for people's discoveries of themselves in this way.
0: When I read between the lines of what you're saying, I I can sort of intuit that you have seen many a person walk into a room and within a few gentle prompts they are wildly dancing or singing or being in their body. <laughs> and it seems like it's a cycle that you've seen often. It's at the point where you're like, yep, I get this.
1: I have, you know, and I think part part of and and like that's the thing. My my Absolute one of the the core pieces of of my commitment and my and my integrity is I don't force anybody to do anything. Um, I only present invitations and and ultimately my my invitation is to to an energy and to a state of being. It's never to the path there. And I hope that that makes sense because everybody will find their own path there where i do have a particular skill is that i definitely have spent the first part of my life as a big floating head disembodied head i went so far up the ivory tower i'm surprised that like i didn't just like float off into <laughs> like <laughs> out of the stratosphere um and then i came crashing down into the body into the into a body of pain into a pissed off body that had been that i'd abandoned that like really needed to let me know a bunch of things and put me in my place and and i had to earn its trust i had to reestablish a relationship with it and i'm still learning how to do that and i still fall back into old patterns and i still have to be very very mindful and careful and continuously cultivating this within myself and so when i see somebody who's a skeptic who's you know um an intellectual who who is not spiritual at all you know it's not I, i my work is spiritual but it doesn't fall under any rubric um of any system or religion i i feel like i know how to get somebody from that place into recognizing that this isn't woo-woo stuff this isn't like stuff that they just don't have access to like this is a this is a part of our experience already it's just that we're ignoring it or or tuning down the voice to a little whisper and all I do is I say hey remember that little whisper that that's been there since you were a kid just listen to that for a minute listen to it for a minute more let it get a little louder oh well oh it's, it's it's starting to to be really clear okay well what if you follow it do you trust it how about you go a little further into that voice and, it, and it's a very natural process for people they they take themselves there you know everybody knows their path there um so yeah i do present that invitation for people
0: your commitment to the the presence and the being versus the path is so beautiful from a training perspective because there's that deep trust that they have the path. And I know that you do a lot of work with non-duality and I'm wondering how you, how might one, or how do we find that balance between loving and accepting who we are? And like you mentioned, the snake skins keep shedding and also wanting to continue to grow to push ourselves to explore how do we hold both of those states
1: Mm, well it's a big question yeah so the the tantric path which some of my work is informed by at at least as it's as it's come to the west through the neo-tantra tradition um is a non-dual path and yet much of tantric work is you know about polarity it's about the polarities of energies within us and oftentimes we work in pairs that are holding polar energies and so the the really profound wisdom teaching of tantra is that and one of the most beautiful ways that i have heard it uh, kind of explained by one of my teachers is that tantra is the place where or tantra is happening everywhere where polarities meet and so tantra is is in that definition is understood as, as as i understand it is the portal that opens anytime you have opposites you know standing in contact with each other and so when you have this on the one hand like i want to keep growing i'm on my self-development path there's so many more trainings i want to do and um i i need to you know i've achieved enlightenment and i'd like to achieve enlightenment and all of that and then on the other hand you have this like all like everything is perfect every every all there is is present in this moment all i have to do is just like open up and 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 receive and surrender and trust and like it's all there there's no doing there's just so So basically it's the the polarity between doing and being that's a big one for all of us one way to kind of work with that is to recognize that there is like a tantric charge in that in that duality there's there's a tantric charge in the fact that you're being pulled into two directions and it feels like there's internal conflict between doing and being and yes both are true and yes you can go to the extreme and in both of them you could go be a monk in a cave and forsake all of your earthly possessions and you can just be present in the moment or you can you know Uh, go and and become a a black belt master of some kind of uh, martial art and, and, and energy system and all of that, and you can go be a master doer. But at every moment of that inner conflict or either of those paths, there is this tantric orgasmic current that is taking place. There is this spark of life that is an invitation to actually just recognize that those polarities don't exist and somehow the doing and the being are unified within a particular vibration. And I I can't say more because it's so highly mystical and esoteric that it's something that I've only touched briefly and through, through like body knowledge rather than something that i can talk about and i and so it's it's something that i can hint at but it's for i think individuals to to really discover that on their own it's like feel the charge between doing and being hold them both equally in presence and then notice if there's something if there's the holy third that emerges the collapse is the polarity.
0: I like that invitation for people to hold those, and perhaps whatever polarity might, they might have, and just to see what, that, what is that third that emerges. And mm-hmm. I know for myself, it, that's a beautiful invitation. I, I just have this image of, of that, that crossing and something, a chemical reaction of sorts that happens where everything is suddenly different. And the way you were looking at things is not perhaps as it were, as it was.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: I wanted, you mentioned the word shadow a few times and I've asked a few different guests this, but I would be delighted to hear your, how you understand shadow and also how might we engage playfully in discovering and
1: interacting with our shadow. hmm to the non-dual path and, um, and a lot of, and, and what I've already been discussing in the path of descent. So um, I distinguish shadow from the dark. So it, th- the way that I work with, with energies uh, is that there, you know, there's the light, there's the consciousness, and then there's the dark, which is the matter. And there isn't, um, and dark is not evil dark is just more dense. It's more dense. It's, it's, um, it's in the realm of body and earth and matter, whereas the light is the more uh, effervescent and the immaterial. Um, and so there's one of the primordial polarities, the light and the dark. Where shadow falls is there's shadow in both the light and the dark. Shadow is the aspect that is uh, basically in our blind spot. It is the unconscious expression of some part of ourselves, usually related to a wounding of some kind. Um, And so it's a lot of subverted energy um, that then expresses the kind of like rears its head in some way that we might not be in total conscious awareness of or control of. So shadowy, um, shadowy desires uh, can lead to manipulative behavior, right? So, so not for whatever reason, having had experiences where you don't feel that you have a voice and that your needs and desires will be acknowledged and met might lead, might push your desires um, into the shadow where you learn that you can only get what you want through manipulation of other people. And so that would be a shadowy aspect. And the work with our shadow is about shining our light on them, not the like um, cop uh, flashlight into your uh, Car kind of light, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> aggressive, searching, domineering kind of light, but like, like a very suffused amber lantern light. <laughs> Sounds nicer. Um, and just and you know and kind of going into the back of the cave where where these shadowy aspects are. Hiding um, and saying, what do you need? What do you need? How can I how can I advocate for you? How can I speak for you? How can I hold you? Um, How can I integrate you? We talk about integrating the shadow. So and and you know, there's shadow aspects of the dark, and there are shadow aspects of the light um uh you know uh, modes of of our being archetypal modes of our being um that's a much i feel like a much bigger conversation that i would mm. definitely uh return to have um but yeah that's that's my understanding of how how shadow aspects work and a lot of this is coming from from jung the work of jung who i think is, has had a, a really big impact on a lot of this this kind of work and, and understanding of the human psyche as it operates through shadow, and um, yeah I, lo- I love the the playful invitation that you're bringing to it because, as I said, it's not this harsh searching light of this kind of patriarchal father figure who's coming and say, "Hey, who, who's back there?" <laughs> I see you. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah but it's 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 a much more ah um, oh, there's so many interesting ways to work with shadow, like acting them out, playing them up, giving them names and costumes, and like giving them center stage is like so much fun when you do it consciously, right? Um, but they're they're tricky, they're tricky little things, and uh, it takes it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of um takes a lot of waiting, waiting patiently for this all very old, very insidious pattern to, to pop its head out and, and being ready to strike in that moment uh, with, with the clarity and the precision. So um, mm. yeah, very interesting work.
0: Your, your, your offerings to the world right now feel uh, visionary and needed. So thank you so much for sharing these insights. I definitely feel full of full of hope just listening to you, and just excited for the possibilities that bring uh, listeners and anyone who might connect with this with this uh, conversation. Is there anything you would like to name or say to close close our time together?
1: Well, first of all, thank you very much. I'm I'm very pleased to to hear that my words resonate with you, and um, yeah, it's been a really beautiful flowy conversation i really didn't know where we would head and uh and that's beautiful i feel like that's a practice in and of itself that like really captures what we've been talking about um so yeah i really i really love that it's been great thank you very much for in, involving me with. my pleasure all the best thank you